Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. It's just a small community in Adams County, Pennsylvania, not two hours from where we are today, but it witnessed the future of our country hanging in the balance on its fields and hills, in its forests and peach orchard, Gettysburg was a place where the future of our country, in part, was decided. When I was a kid, I used to go with my family on annual, sometimes semi-annual trips to Gettysburg. I've stood many times at Devil's Den and on Little Round Top where that battle raged almost 160 years ago today. And I want to talk to you about what happened on July 2nd, the second day of battle in 1863 at the extreme left of the Union line. It was there on Little Round Top that the 20th Main Regiment made their stand. And that morning, they were being pummeled by the 15th Alabama Infantry Regiment. The 20th Maine were no strangers to battle. They were battle-hardened. They were also led by a former college professor named Joshua Chamberlain, who had actually volunteered for the Union forces to join the Civil War and had risen to the rank of colonel. And at Gettysburg, Chamberlain, still recovering from a severe bout of malaria and dysentery, saw his casualties mounting and his ammunition running low. And he knew that his men, battle-hardened though they were, would not survive another assault by the Confederate forces. He also realized that if he were to call retreat, being the very leftmost point of the Union line, that that line would be flanked and would collapse, and the forces would have to retreat. Not just his forces, but the Union army itself would be compromised. So he made a decision that day as he drew his saber, he yelled out the word bayonets. Historians debate whether all the men could even hear that word over the voice of the battle, but they saw his actions. They saw him draw his saber. They were well trained. They knew what to do. And Joshua Chamberlain himself led that 
charge into a hail of bullets to defend his brothers, to defend his country. Minor wound came when a bullet grazed his empty scabbard and bruised his thigh. Another bullet whistled past his head, barely missing him. But he ended up personally taking the pistol away from that that Confederate officer that fired the gun at his head. at Sabre Point, took his surrender in person. And the Union forces did not fold that day. The Union line did not collapse because of the bravery of those 20th Maine men and the bravery of Joshua Chamberlain who went on to become a general, but received his Medal of Honor for his courage and bravery that July 2nd. Not only did he get a Medal of Honor for his bravery, but he became known as the Lion of the Round Top. That's not a nickname you get to give yourselves, guys. Uh, If you give yourself that nickname, you get laughs and snickers, but when other men give you that nickname because of your courage, that's a, a title you can wear with pride. Decades later, after that charge in 1889, Chamberlain and other survivors from the 20th Maine met again at Gettysburg, and I want to show you a picture of that from 1889. This was taken there at... Uh, Devil's Den, not far from where they charged, probably where they ended up. I don't know exactly where they all stopped running as they charged the Confederate forces. But Chamberlain would write these words, and I want you to look at this picture and look at the brave men who stood to tell the tale. Chamberlain wrote these words, The inspiration of a noble cause involving human interests wide and far enables men to do things they did not dream themselves capable of before, and which they were not capable of alone. He also wrote, We know not the future and cannot plan for it much, but we can hold our spirits and our bodies so pure and high we may cherish such thoughts and ideals, and dream such dreams of lofty purpose that we can determine and know what manner of men we will be whenever and wherever the hour strikes that calls to noble action. And then he goes on to add, no man becomes suddenly different from his habit and cherished thought. What was Chamberlain saying? He's saying, if you will develop the right habits, 
and you will develop the right thoughts and you will give yourself to a noble purpose that is far greater than yourself you will become someone who even though you don't think you'll have that bravery because of the devotion and the commitment that you have already made and that you've already practiced in your mind and in your heart when the moment of crisis comes you will not fold you will not retreat you will stand and you will stand victorious friends there is no more noble a cause and no purpose loftier than the one to which we as a church have been called. We are not here to preserve the union. We are here with orders from the King of Kings himself. And we call those orders the Great Commission. To preach the gospel to every creature to make disciples of all nations and to focus, behold, that he, Jesus Christ himself, is with us even to the end of the age. We don't follow the lion of the round top. We follow the lion of Judah. And yet, it is sad to realize that so few Christians lack the conviction and the commitment for the greater, higher cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ than those brave men had to preserve this union. Now, it is noble and just to serve your country, and we thank all of our veterans and men and women who have served our country, men and women who serve our communities in uh, the uh, uh, police and fire and, and our uh, medical uh, people who serve us and, and guard our health. We, we are so thankful for all who serve others and who have devoted themselves to a purpose higher than themselves. But friend, we have the highest purpose of all. And the tragedy is that even though we have been given the title Ambassador for Jesus Christ, even though we have been called into service, for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, for far too many Christians, the gospel through ignorance or apathy has become their Achilles heel. But here in Ephesians 6, Paul reminds Christians that it is the gospel on which we stand. It is the gospel that enables us to stand and it is the gospel that prepares us to respond when the call is given. We don't charge with bayonets. We charge with the sword of the Spirit. But you're not going to hear the call and obey the call to charge with this if your feet are not first grounded in the gospel. Look with me again at Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles, the methods, the strategies of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual 
wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having done three things. Number one, having your loins girt about with truth. Number two, having on the breastplate of righteousness. And number three, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, we're going to talk this morning about the preparation of the gospel of peace. But very quickly, let me just remind you what we've just read and what we've already talked about in this study. Number one, you need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. There is a battle that you have been called to. Whether you like it or not, the battle is joined. The enemy is upon you whether you want to admit it or not. Being passive, being apathetic, pretending the battle is not going on is not going to do you or your family or your community or your church any favors. Because the battle is joined whether you want to join it or not. You need to be strong in the Lord. Not your own power, not your own intellect, not your own resources. Be strong in the Lord. Dress for war. He has given us His armor, the armor of the Lord, enable, to enable us not only to stand, but also to withstand, as we'll get to in just a second. So we stand for Christ, and we actively oppose, we actively withstand the enemy's tactics. That reminds you very quickly, stand is a command. That means it's a choice that you make. You choose whether or not you will stand or whether you will retreat. You make that choice based on whether or not you obey because standing is contingent on our acts of obedience, on whether or not we will do the things that God is commanding us to do when we talk about the armor of the Lord. Also remember that withstanding or responding to the attacks of the enemy is circumstantial. The evil day here refers to the times that the devil is attacking you personally or attacking your family or attacking your marriage or attacking your kids or attacking your workplace or attacking your church or your community. In those moments of attack, we need to not just endure, but respond with authority and with spiritual power to the attacks that the enemy is bringing against us. We stand against those attacks and our stand must be constant so that we can withstand when necessary. But here's the promise. When we will do what God has asked us to do, He will do what we cannot do. You do what you are called to do and God promises I'll do what you can't do. Say there's no way I can stand against this assault. You do what God has called you to do. You let Him worry about the impossible. Because by the way, all things are possible for the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The one who spoke all things into existence until he created our father Adam, and then Adam he made out of the dust of the ground with his own hands, and Eve he made out of Adam's side. This is the God we serve, the God of power, the God of glory, the God of honor, the God of the impossible, the God of miracles. So when we do all, we will stand. Now, as we've said, there are two essential types of obedience in
this past. of scripture, the three acts of readiness, the three acts of preparation, and then Lord willing, as we'll begin to look at next week, the three acts of retaliation. Three things we need to do to prepare preparation for battle. These are these must be constant realities. This is every day before your feet hit the floor. And I wish I could say that every day before my feet hit the floor, I did these three things. But this is the, what we need to do. This is putting on the armor that we wear throughout our day every day. So that when the attack comes, we are ready and prepared to respond to retaliation. with the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. And we'll talk again more about that as we get farther into this study. But the armor is precisely de designed, devised, designed. The armor is precisely designed, every piece to deal with one particular type of attack that the enemy will bring against you. The wiles or the methods of the devil. And so when you gird yourself with God's truth, when you say it's God's truth, not my feelings that determine reality, not what I think or what, what I feel or how society uh, votes, but it's God's truth that determines reality. When I gird myself with truth, I defeat the wiles of deception. When I put on Christ's righteousness, the breastplate of Christ's righteousness, not my own righteousness, I guard my sense, myself against the delusions of piety and self-righteousness, thinking that God's lucky to have me on the team and look what I have done. No, no, no. Look what He has done. And as Paul says, we're just worthless servants. We, we're just thankful to be part of the show. We're just thankful to be along for the ride. We're thankful that God lets us serve Him because He does not need any of us. From the pastor to every member of His body, none of us are essential. He is essential. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so there's something else we need to do every day. Not only embrace God's truth, not only embrace Christ's righteousness, but we need to make sure that we are shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that going to do? How's that going to help us? It's going to protect us from two things, and it's those two things we're going to talk about this morning. Number one, it's going to pr protect us from distractions. The devil can't beat you if you are faithful to what God has called you to do. He can't. If you have done what God has called you to do, you will stand. He can't beat you. So if he can't defeat you, he'll try to distract you. And if he can't defeat you, the other thing that he's going to do is he's going to try to discourage you. Distractions 
and discouragement will knock you on your rear end, knock you off your feet, and keep us from doing what we as individual believers, what we as a church are all called to be part of, which is the greatest calling and commission ever given to preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples of all nations, and to focus on the ever-present Jesus until he comes to get us. That's what we're to be about. That's our mission as Memorial Heights. That's our mission as the church of Jesus Christ. The true church has that mission. So let's talk for a minute about what it means to be steadfast in the gospel. Preparing for warfare through peace with God. How do you prepare for warfare? By remembering the mission that we have and that we have already received ourselves, which is the message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the new translations have paraphrase this word preparation they say well, that sounds, that doesn't sound right let's correct that let's make it about stability let's make it about strength of standing but that's not what the greek word means the greek word means more than just stable footing the greek word literally means readiness of footing you are not just standing strong, you are standing ready to respond. And there's a big difference between just standing and being stable on your feet and standing in such a way that you're ready to do something. On your marks, get set, ready to go. That's the word that Paul uses here. So that we will not be distracted and discouraged. If I am constantly being distracted or if I am constantly being discouraged, there is a good chance that I am missing one or both of my boots. Maybe it's the boot that guards against distraction. Maybe it's the boot that guards against discouragement that I'm struggling with getting laced on. But either way, I better make sure every day that I've got these boots laced on. Let's talk about why. Number one, don't be distracted. Remember the reasons for the spiritual war that we wage. What does it mean to shod your feet with the readiness or the preparation of the gospel of peace? It means that you are intentionally choosing every day to remember not just that you're in a spiritual battle, but why we are in a spiritual battle. And it's why we often go back to the garden where we had our first spiritual battle and where we lost that battle because Eve was deceived and Adam rebelled Adam wasn't deceived he just rebelled and because we're all descended from Adam and Eve we all have a tendency to be deceived and we all have a tendency to be rebel and if you don't believe me you've never been a parent apparently because every child is born with a predisposition to be deceived 
and to say, uh, I don't want to do that just because you told me to do it. So it seems like every day we're dealing with, well, so-and-so said, well, so-and-so at summer camp said, well, so-and-so at summer camp does not determine reality, my son. Or I saw it on TV. Well, that's what they said on TV. That's what they said on YouTube. Well, I don't care if they said it on YouTube. That's not the truth. We all have that tendency to be deceived and to want to rebel. And so we got to remember that we get that from our mother and father, Adam and Eve. We lost the battle because of that, that first battle. But here's the promise of Genesis 3.15. God said to the ancient dragon, Hey, Satan, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Guess what's going to happen when her seed comes into the world? By the way, women don't have seed. Only one woman ever had a seed, and that was a seed implanted by the Holy Spirit himself. And that was in the womb of the Virgin Mary, who conceived by the Holy Spirit the very Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, just as God promised back in the Garden of Eden. The seed of the woman, the virgin-born seed of the woman is going to come. And uh, by the way, Satan, you're going to get to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. Game on. Game on. For thousands of years now, we are living in the aftermath of that declaration of victory. And Satan is still in the enmity game. God is thankfully put us at enmity with the devil. Why is the devil all about killing people and murdering unborn babies and, and spreading death and disease? Why is the devil all about that? Why is the world all about that now? Because there's enmity between mankind and the devil. But there's also the guarantee of a Savior coming. So, friend, let me just tell you this. We have an ancient adversary, but we also have an eternal Savior. And you need to remind yourself of that every day. You need to get out of bed and you need to remind yourself, I've got an enemy who's out to get me, but I have an eternal Savior. He shed His blood on the cross to pay for my sin. He rose victorious over sin, over death, and over the grave when He walked out of that tomb three days later. And He is offering me forgiveness. He's offering me eternal life. And how do we receive it? By admitting we need it. By admitting we need forgiveness, by admitting we need a Savior, and by placing our faith in Him as our only hope. The one way, the one truth, the one life. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except by me. And if you will confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you believe Jesus died for you and rose again, He will save you when you call on Him. But if you don't, and if you're here today or you're listening today and you're like, I'll, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. I'm going to put that off for a while. Friend, you're not even guaranteed to be here tonight, let alone next week, let alone a month from now or a year from now. This may be the only time that the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart. This may be it. And if he is, you need to deal with it today because you may not have it tomorrow. And without a Savior, you are lost 
forever. That's what the devil's trying to get you to do. He's distracting you. That's the, that's the only way that he can win any battles is if he can keep you from placing your faith in Jesus Christ. This is a war that he's been waging for thousands of years. I guarantee you he's very good at it. He's effective at it. But the dragon's defeat was sealed with the promise of the coming Savior. Now, I've already said it. Let me say it again. Our mission is the Great Commission. That's our mission. But if you have an adversary, you better expect for our mission to be opposed. And so when Paul says that you shod your feet with the readiness for the gospel of peace, that you are aware that your mission is not going to be an easy one. And why does the devil want to keep people from preaching the gospel? Because it declares his doom. Because it, it promises the foot of the Messiah on his head. Crushing it. You think he wants people to know that's coming? Do you think he wants to think about his defeat? He knows it's coming. He knows his time is short. And someday when he, he's in, in the tribulation period, he's going to know it's really short. He doesn't know when the final countdown is going to begin, but he knows it's coming soon. So here's the promise that we have. Jesus has given us authority over unclean spirits. We see it in the Gospels when the disciples were sent out. That doesn't mean that we're to be demon hunters, but it means that we don't need to be demon fearers either. You don't need to be afraid of the devil. You don't need to be afraid of his demons if you're wearing the armor of the Lord. If you're a child of God, wearing the armor of God, you don't need to be afraid, but you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared, and you need to remember what the gospel says. Satan attempts to weaken our stand by getting us confused on the issue of the gospel. I want you to hear what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, first of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse uh, 3, he says, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom, verse 4, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servant for Jesus' sake. Now, listen to what Paul says over in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. He's already told us that the devil is blinding the minds of those who are outside of the church, but he doesn't stop there. He brings that deception into the church as well. And so he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse... Um, 2 Corinthians 11, excuse me, in verse 3, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, he, he doesn't put on a t-shirt and, and wave a big red flag all the time saying, I'm the devil, I'm going to deceive you. Now he does that when he's already got people deceived. He'll have you marching in the street waving all kinds of flags. But before he's got you deceived, he doesn't come with, with flags and banners and t-shirts. He comes subtly. Did God really say that? 
Did God really say that? Do you think God really cares about how you feel, Eve? Do you think he really has your best interest? Don't you think that Bible's, that was written a long time ago. Don't you think that, that doesn't really apply to us anymore, does it? That's the devil. Listen to what he does here in, in verse 4. Verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, the minds of the church, the minds of believers, should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. How does he do this so effectively verse 13 for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works Paul gave us this warning almost 2,000 years ago. Church, listen. Just because somebody comes in with the title pastor or calls themselves a Christian or has a popular ministry, just because they speak the name Jesus or just because they talk about the Holy Spirit all the time or just because they use the word gospel does not mean that it's the Jesus who saved you, the Spirit who sealed you, or the gospel in which you placed your faith. And the church today is riddled with false gospel. Not Jesus died for you and rose again and he paid for your sin debt, but you better call on him to be forgiven of your sin. You better admit you have a need for a savior. And you better place your faith and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus or else you are eternally bound for hell with no hope and today might be the last day you hear that that's not what people are preaching they're adding all kinds of things saw so a, a preacher a well-known preacher most of you probably have heard his name saying oh we don't talk about repentance anymore we do it Jesus way really because Luke 24 after Jesus rose from the dead told the disciples uh, you need to go preach repentance because you can't call him your savior if you don't know what you're saved from. You can't call him your savior if you don't know that he came to save you from your sin. Hell is just the consequence of sin. Sin is the problem. Christ is the solution. His blood as payment to rem for the remission of your sin and his resurrection for your new life in Christ. He paid the price. That's the gospel. That's what we stand. That's what the devil is going to oppose. And because Christians don't want to offend people or they don't want to sound critical, listen, we're not, going to, we're not going to attack people because they have a different view on the rapture. We're not going to attack people because they have a different view of spiritual gifts. We're not going to attack people on those issues. But when it comes to the gospel, that is life and death forever. And that's where we say, no, we're not... We're not working with you. We're not fellowshiping. It's not Jesus plus the church saves you. 
It's not Jesus plus I got sprinkled or I got dunked. It's not Jesus plus you, get, you better be a good person and you better be better than your neighbor. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Or it's a false gospel and it's a false hope. And you have a false gospel that is no hope. Because false hope is no hope at all. That's our mission, friends. That's what the devil is opposing. So here's what we have to do. Number one, we have to define the gospel of peace clearly. We have to declare, we have to define the gospel of peace correctly. We have to declare it clearly and we have to defend it consistently. Let me try that one more time so I make sure I get it all correct. We have to define it correctly. We have to declare it clearly. We've got to actually tell people. People aren't going to get saved because of osmosis. They're around me, and I want to be, you know, I, uh, I think I've shared this before, but um, uh, probably, I think it was the summer before I met Gigi online, there was a girl I was talking with who lived in Virginia, and I had learned, I'd been on eHarmony for a while. Gigi was only on for a few months before she struck gold. I was on there for years <laughs> before I struck gold. Um, but I had learned that just because a girl has God in her profile or Jesus in her profile does not mean she knows who Jesus really is. I, I learned that the hard way a couple of times. And so I was asking this girl, I don't remember her name. Uh, I can you tell me about when you got saved? Uh, well, I was, uh, I was at this camp, and, and it, I just, I remember I started crying, and, and all my friends were going forward. I just felt this, this wave of emotion, and I went forward, and I was like, that's not the gospel. I got uh, giddy. I got emotional. I went forward. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. That's not a gospel that will save you. We're saved by grace, but it's grace through faith. It's faith in the death and resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless sacrifice who paid for our sin, who offers us forgiveness and eternal life. And if we don't got that right, then we don't got the gospel. So define it correctly, declare it clearly, and then defend it consistently. Defend it consistently. Jude talks about this. Peter talks about this. This is throughout the New Testament. There are false teachers coming into the church. There are people preaching a false gospel. They're denying the one who bought them. And you better be on your guard. And you better be willing to call it out. Because we are not just called to stand. We are called to withstand. Now let me say one more thing before we close. I say one more thing, but it's a pastor's one more thing. We shod our feet by remembering the reasons for the war we wage. It's all about the gospel. It's all about why Satan is defeated. John says the reason the Son of God came into the world was to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John. So, don't be distracted from that. But here's the second, here's the other boot. Here's time, uh, the other shoe going to fall. If you're a believer here today, don't be discouraged. It's called the gospel of peace for a reason. It's peace with God. You say, but 
Preacher, you don't know what I did this week. Well, I don't need to know what you did this week. He already knows. And if you're truly saved, he saved you anyways, even knowing what you were going to do. Now, that's not an excuse to sin. That's Romans 6. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? But it is the promise, friend, to remember this. Remember the victory that Christ has already secured for you. See, the gospel of peace goes on our boots, goes on our feet as the boots. Because the victory, we're already standing in victory. We're not fighting for victory. I'm ready and am prepared to respond to the enemy's attacks because I've already been given victory. I'm already at peace with God. I'm not trying to win anything for my salvation. I already have it. I already have peace with God. There is therefore now, Romans 8.1 says, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you have no condemnation. That's not because you earned it. You can't earn it. It's because of His grace that you have peace with God. And we stand in that peace. Satan uses fear of condemnation against the forgiven. The Holy Spirit will convict you. you if, you're, if you feel no conviction, you can come and sit in this church or any church that preaches the Bible and never feel convicted. You're not saved. But the Spirit will not bring shame and condemnation upon the children of God. He's the Spirit of adoption. He convicts, but He doesn't condemn. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the attack of the devil. He's trying to knock your feet from out from under you. And if you're not wearing your boots of the gospel of peace you will end up on your tail. And if you've ever landed on your tailbone, physically or spiritually, you know that's not a place you want to be. So let me tell you this as we close. Stand with one foot, prepared for battle by what Christ has already accomplished. And stand with the other foot, prepared for battle by what Christ will accomplish. And so his cross, his empty tomb, that guarantees me eternal peace with God. His rod of iron and the piercing sword that's going to come out of his mouth, Revelation 19 at the second coming, that guarantees me future peace on earth. Not just for me, but the whole planet will one day enjoy that peace. Not because we voted in the right politicians, but because the King of Kings himself is going to make things right. Don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. Get your boots on. The boots of the gospel of peace. Let's stand as we pray. Father, we love you and thank you for the victory already achieved, already won by Jesus Christ. And God, we praise you for that victory. God, help us to remember the victory that we have in Jesus. But God, if there's somebody here who has not received that victory yet, they have not confessed that they're a sinner, they have not placed their faith and trust in the resurrected Savior who died for their sin and rose again. God, may your spirit right now call them and convict them that this may be the last day that they ever have to respond to this call. And that they would respond and respond to the gospel right here and right now 
admitting they're a sinner, believing that Jesus, the Son of God, died and rose again, and calling upon you for their forgiveness and receiving your grace by faith before they leave this place today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing this hymn with me. We have uh, deacons here that are ready to speak to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, don't leave here today before you have made that right with God. If you are a believer, let's celebrate and commit ourselves to sharing that message as we go forth. Sing this hymn with me as we close. continues to play. Father, we thank you for the mercy and the grace that has been offered to us through Jesus Christ. Father, it's not in our own power that we're able to stand. It's not in our own goodness, our own works, our own righteousness. It's only in your grace. It's only because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're able to stand before anyone, let alone before you. It's only because of what you have done that we're able to boldly come before the throne of grace and find mercy and grace in time of need. God, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. And so, God, we ask that you would remind us every day of the great mission, the gospel mission that you have called each of us to, to share your love, to share your gospel, your peace, your hope with our lost loved ones, co-workers, classmates, God, wherever you call us this week. Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Remember, we have a meeting. Anyone in, in, interested in helping with the church picnic right after the service over in the fellowship hall?
Hope to see you back tonight. God bless you. You are dismissed. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful. Thank you.